The Florida Panthers played their first game in about six days. In between that, there was a trade deadline and a West Coast trip prior to that. And the Florida Panthers in Thursday's game kind of looked like that they had six days off. And we're going to bring in Nick Fairbanks of PantherParkway.com to discuss uh, the Florida Panthers' 4-3 win over the Montreal Canadiens. And we're going to talk about some of the newest additions of the Lockdown Florida Pan of, of the Florida Panthers as they made their debut uh on thursday so we're going to discuss all of this on the locked on florida panthers podcast your locked on panthers your daily podcast on the florida panthers part of the locked on podcast network your team every day And welcome into this Friday, March 25th edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. I'm Rwanda Velez from pantherparkway.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Monoman12. Follow the show account on Twitter at LO underscore FLA Panthers. And thank you for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. You can also follow um, the national show, Lockdown NHL, and the Crosscheck NHL show with Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. We'll be covering all the regular season activities around the National Hockey League. So, Cats fans, uh, the Florida Panthers uh, played their first game uh, since the trade deadline. Prior to that, they were on a West Coast trip where they went 2-1-1. The Florida Panthers uh, made a trade right before that end of the West Coast trip. Uh, bringing Ben Sherratt, and then they made two additional uh, uh, moves on the on prior to the trade deadline. Uh, and the Florida Panthers, they came out, they played against the Montreal Canadiens in the, this first game of their uh, of their Canadian trip uh, over over in Canada. And on today's episode of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast, we have. Nick Fairbanks from uh, PantherParkway.com on this Fairbanks Friday edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast to discuss the the win, the newest edition of the Panthers, and so much more. So, Nick, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Armando. It's great to be back and great to be back on a uh, winning Thursday again. (laughs) Not only a winning Thursday, but a better time that we are recording a podcast because last week, uh, as fun as it was, uh, I definitely turned into a night owl just for a little bit and it lingered a little bit after, uh, that West coast trip. So it was hard to me to, for me to get, uh, adjusted again to a normal sleep schedule, but, but we're back, uh, we're back and the Florida Panthers are back trade deadline prior to that get Claude Giroux, uh, in between, um, and the Florida Panthers, uh, they, Went into Montreal. Uh, ben Schrott stays the whole time uh, over in Quebec. They use their he uses the facilities over there in Montreal. G- great gesture by the Habs to let him use their facility, even though he was skating by himself, and also allowing him to pack with the um, pack his stuff before he uh, eventually moves as well. Uh, gets one skate in with the Panthers in practice, and then uh, plays. So this uh, this game though um, for the Panthers. Um, it kind of looked like that they had uh, six days off, and it, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of lapses in this one as well. But the Florida Panthers um, coming out of the trade deadline, you couldn't ask for a better situation going against uh, the worst team in the NHL in the Montreal Canadiens coming out, out of the trade deadline. So a win, it's a win, but mm-hmm. not, 
probably one that you move on and a very forgettable win. Yeah, it seemed like uh, there was a lot of uh, things going on. So the first goal, you know, by Suzuki seemed like a shot that, um, you know, Spencer Knight should have had. He saw it the whole way, in my opinion, and just missed it. Um, but thankfully, you know, we have Alexander Barkov on the team and uh, about nine seconds later ties the game up. And then, you know, you have a little, you know, a couple instances where, you know, maybe the team was just not really in position. Uh, you know, you think of Sam Bennett, uh, where he was uh, on the four to three goal, unfortunately, just kind of skating in the zone, not really making an effort to get back to get back to back check. And uh, that led to the game getting closer. So definitely some things to iron out, uh, but it was very impressive to see the three new guys uh, in Panthers uniforms kind of slide right in and, uh, you know, make an impact, a positive one if that. Yeah, and you mentioned um, you mentioned um, Sam Bennett in front um, in front of the net and all and a lot of the times in this uh, in this game uh, the Florida Panthers allowed uh, too many uh, breakaway opportunities on uh, Spencer Knight and even early on in this game there was a little bit of back and forth between uh, David Savard and uh, Jonathan Huberdeau Ryan Lomberg there was a little bit of history going back to when David Savard was uh, on the Tampa Bay Lightning during their Cup run uh, of course. Uh, David Savard uh, ending up uh, winning the championship with Tampa Bay and then signing with Montreal, a defensive defenseman. And the I have to see that replay again on the Suzuki goal, but I think Spencer Knight got, got screened, but I have to look at it again uh, on that one. And then amazing how the when 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 the Panthers were up uh, down one nothing, I was like, okay, uh, penalty, penalty right away. They score literally nine seconds after the penalty. Uh, Barkoff comes back on on right off the draw and just takes it with a wrister to make it one, one, just, just like that. The, the chippiness a little bit uh, with Savard and uh, Florida Panthers uh, went a little bit into the first period, but didn't really uh, continue uh, after that. And let's talk a little bit about the power play. Um, the, this un new unit of the power play, uh, they go, uh, they go one for six uh, in tonight's game, but one for six, people are going to see uh power play percentage is not the best uh, in uh, for this game, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm not I'm not panicking based on this power play unit because these guys are uh, still getting accumulated with one another. I saw plenty of times that Claude Drew was just really hard to get the 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 puck out of his stick every time the Montreal Canadiens went to check his stick. So I I kind of I'm kind of like really starting to like. A, appreciate like Claude Giroux more and more. I, I mean, it helps that he's on the team that we cheer for, but <laughs> good to, I, I kind of see like his puck handling skills, how it's hard to get the puck out of uh, his stick um, if you're defending him. Yeah. And uh, you know, how, how many of those guys can you have on the power play? I mean, well, you have Barkoff, you have Uberto, now you have Giroux, um, Reinhardt, you know, when he's on that unit. So I don't think you can have, ever have enough guys that can handle the puck on a string and, you know, got not get it taken away. But um, I think it's going to take a game or two for them to get assimilated with each other, uh, to really kind of understand their tendencies. Um, the one thing I would like to see is to make it simple, just shoot the puck. Um, not everything has to be fancy. Um, you know, I said in the uh, chat today that I just wish Uberto would just shoot because there was a couple of times where he's just trying to make the pretty pass like he always does. And, you know, he, he does it with good reason and good intention and everything like that. But I think the league is kind of caught on to that pass. So uh, definitely make the best pass possible, as Denny Potvin used to say. Shoot it towards the net and you'll get a rebound and uh, who knows what will happen after that. 
Yeah, miss uh, definitely miss uh, Denny Potvin uh, doing col color commentary on the when it was called Fox Sports Florida. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> but uh, Jonathan Huberdeau though, uh, he gets two assists uh, tonight in this one. Now he is uh, four assists away from breaking the record for all for a single season in assists for a left winger. So just an incredible feat by uh, Jonathan Huberdeau. Sure, we want to see him sh uh, sh shoot more, but I, I, there, there are times where you, you, I, I see Jonathan Huberto try to make a make a play instead of uh, shooting it, and of course we want to make um, see him shoot more. But then I see some of those highlight reel plays that he makes, and it, we, I kind of get why he doesn't do it. So mm -hmm. that that there, there's a little bit of, uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what's the best words to use. I mean, there's a little when it, when it comes to Jonathan Huberto, we just know that that's just his his greatest ability. But we can, I mean. But we saw like a different version of him, like um, just last Friday in Anaheim, just getting those two goals. And we know he, we know that John Huberto is capable of uh, definitely uh, doing so. But just uh, Spencer Knight wasn't busy early on, but uh, we're um, but those next uh, two periods uh, for the Florida Panthers, uh, definitely a lot of uh, definitely a lot of chances the other way. But we're gonna actually talk about that more on in the next break talking about some of the some of the uh, mishaps and the lack of communication that the florida panthers had um in this game against the montreal canadians but first we're going to tell you all about built bar and this is a time of year where i've pretty much given up on all my new year resolutions but not this year i'm sticking my resolution to eat right thanks to built bar it almost feels like it's not really a resolution because i actually enjoy eating them have you tried the puffs if you haven't you're missing out on one of built bars best tasting bars Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, marshmallow-y. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. All Bilt Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. Yes, puffs included. At Bilt Bar, they're all about taste. They make it taste delicious first and figure out how to make it healthy. I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. Go to Bilt.com and use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Bilt. Com. Thank you once again for making the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. And for your next listen of the day, make sure you listen to the Lockdown Now podcast. It's nightly recaps from all the local experts on the Lockdown NHL channel with nightly recaps of every game. So back on the second segment of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast, I have Nick Fairbanks on this Fairbanks Friday edition of the show. So, uh, Nick, um, a lot of uh, breakaway opportunities for the Montreal Canadiens, just uh but a lot of breaks that the Florida Panthers had in this one. Um, I don't know how many. Uh, I'm trying to look up shot attempts. Uh, even was trying to look up uh, pre-recording uh, for Cole Caulfield because I felt like sometimes when he had some breakaways, there were so many opportunities that he could have gotten one past night, but just flat out missed the net. As far as uh, shots on goal that Caulfield had, four uh, on goal. Mm -hmm. And then there was an opportunity by Nick Suzuki right in front of the net, but just couldn't handle the puck right there. So... Four to three win, but uh, e even then there was a lot of uh, the Panthers were caught up in line changes multiple times. I saw a uh, giveaway by Mackenzie Weger uh, early on, and uh, Spencer Knight, the save percentage for an individual game in this one is not going to stand out. But I thought Spencer Knight really made some great saves when he needed to. There was one that he had one with the stick, and then the end of his skate. So just uh. 
I, I, I give, I give, uh, I give Spencer Knight at least a B performance uh, in this game, knowing that he wasn't tested early and then um, really had to uh, step up his game really uh, in the second and third periods. Definitely. And uh, Cole Caulfield has really come on lately ever since the coaching change that they made up in uh, Montreal. So Marty St. Louis has really either lit a fire under him or maybe the pressure has been uh, taken off his shoulders a little bit and he's just holding the play. So um, definitely a dangerous player coming into this game. So it was very fortunate for the Florida Panthers that he was not uh, as effective uh, as he has been in previous games. But uh, you got to give your hat off to uh, Spencer Knight tonight. I know it wasn't, you know, exactly a uh, a night to remember uh, per se, but at the same time, you know, he, uh, he made the saves when he had to, and that's what a good gold hunter does. He gives your team a chance to win every single night. And uh, you know, that's exactly what they needed, you know, in this game, um, you know, with all the chances that the Canadians had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of those uh, opportunities that Cole Caulfield had was uh, when Ben Sherratt was trying to work it around uh, um, and there wasn't a forward to go back. And then uh, Caulfield had a breakaway, um, at the other end, but the the penalty kill for the Panthers, um, even though they gave up five power play opportunities uh, for to the Montreal Canadiens, some of them unforced errors, two um, two delay of games, one of them by Ben Sherratt. And I was telling, I was talking on um, Twitter on on the Locked On Panthers page that the reason Reinhardt stuck his stick out because he knew he, it was going to go out of play, and had Reinhardt gotten away with that. And just been a high stick and then a face-off after, I would have just applauded uh, Sam Reinhart for that. But uh, referees were at a good angle, and of course it was a penalty on Ben Chirot. Uh Not the not the best debut for Ben Chirot, but when the Panthers needed him most, especially on the PK, him and Giroux at that at, in that final PK on the six on four, those two found a way to uh, clear the the zone and not give Montreal uh, really much offensive zone time and. On the PK, uh, Nick, five opportunities. The Florida Panthers only allowed three shots on goal on the PK in five opportunities. It's amazing work, and uh, you know that definitely is a testament to the uh, defensive core that was brought in. So you had Hag, and then you also had Sherratt that was brought in. Uh, Sherratt was definitely brought in to uh, be that physical defenseman and separate guys from pucks, and he did that all night. So he was very impressive with that. Um, I do have a bone to pick with that uh, delay of game call because I read the rule book and everything. Now, there's nothing in there saying that a player can't just go over the top, per se, and actually knock the puck out from going out of play. So my question is, is why didn't they just blow it as a high, uh, you know, a, you know, a high stick like they would, you know, anywhere else on the ice? I understand that the puck was going out, but at the same time, it never went fully out. And yet Reinhardt was able to use his hand-eye coordination to make sure it did not go out. So um, Panthers were lucky that nothing happened on that, you know, ensuing penalty kill. But I don't know, may maybe the rule book needs to get a little bit more granular, granular with that because they were pretty granular about some other things like taking off your helmet during a, uh, a breakaway, which would ensue on a penalty or a penalty shot for another team, I guess. I, I've never seen that happen, but I guess that has to be in the rule book. But, you know, mm -hmm. Reinhardt taking the puck out of the play um, <laughs> to say Sherrod, uh is a penalty. So mm -hmm. it's more of it's more of an NHL um, problem, not really the officiate uh, the officiating on the ice, um, but the way the way the rules are written. And sometimes it's like they don't they don't want to call that, but uh, but they're but they're told. And sometimes they have off ice officials telling them, hey, it was going out of bounds. But also, if it doesn't say it in the book, in the in the rule book, 
it doesn't say um it doesn't say that it's not a penalty neither nor a penalty so uh maybe just maybe um at, um every every rule book i mean i have my funny enough i have my uh i have my referee <laughs> of rule book right here and every single every single rule that has names a situation maybe situation a b c you add a certain letter next to it if a player is going to stick out their stick for uh, a puck that's going out of play, then that would still count as a as a as a penalty. But I don't create the rules for the NHL, so that is uh, that is something that I uh, uh, that honestly uh, probably will be maybe reevaluating the offseason. I don't know, but um, we should start a Twitter campaign. <laughs> uh yeah maybe but uh but yeah um Sherrod, um Sherrod also all three panthers all three new panthers got a uh an, an um a point in, in this one um Sherrod had a beautiful shot that was tipped by anthony duclair and i looked at the replay like three or four times duclair just gets his stick under under mm-hmm. lined up the net to get it in and i thought that would I, I seriously thought at first sight that that was going to be uh, called back and that they were going to review, but didn't go into review at all. Uh, how many replays did it take you to uh, to uh, see that um, it it wasn't a, a high stick deflected into the goal? So I decided to watch the TSN feed just because I like to hear what other outlets are saying about the Florida Panthers and everything. And um, it took me two because they, they had one that was directly behind Sherrod when he took the shot. And then you saw Duclair's stick come down and it was right in front of uh, a Montreal defenseman. I can't remember who it was, but um, you could clearly see that at when he made contact with the puck, his stick was either parallel or just underneath the actual bar itself. So um, even if Martin St. Louis wanted to actually challenge it, he would have a very hard time winning that because I don't think it would have been that conclusive. Uh, evidence to say that it was high sticking. So um, hats off to the TSN crew for actually having that camera angle right there because it was a nice shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Duclair uh, with his 25th of the season. Um, Steve Goldstein on the Ballet Sports broadcast mentioned how the Florida Panthers have six uh, 20 goal scorers on the on the on the team, uh, most in team history. So uh, we continue to uh, see history uh, for the Florida Panthers. 20 um, uh, Duclair gets his 25th. Um, Sam Reinhart uh, gets the one and only power play goal for the Panthers. Mason Marchment uh, continues his uh, his incredible point per game pace, and once again, uh, the Florida Panthers are likely going to lose him this offseason based on someone someone's going to pay him, um, and it, that's going to be a hard one uh, to lose. But let's talk about the penalty kill unit. Um, even it, of course, uh, we were expecting a different um, partner with uh, Alexander Barkov, of course, with Anton Lundell out, but even with Anton Lundell. Um, if he wasn't hurt, um, I would I would think that Andrew Burnett would still go with uh, Barkoff Giroux on that top PK unit, and then we saw Sherratt Weger. I assume when Aaron Ekblad comes back, I I think it would be Sherratt Ekblad on that on that PK unit. Um, and just the way they were able to clear the zone. Um, once again, I'm, I'm going to mention this again. I think it's worth mentioning that last penalty kill was just extremely important for the Panthers. Um, this game was a lot closer than it should have been. Um, there's a time where um, the the Florida Panthers um, in the first two periods, um, just just alone, 15 to seven shots on goal advantage um, in period one, 16 to 14 
um they they outshot the Montreal Canadiens um in this game but um they they found a, the Montreal Canadiens just found a way to challenge Spencer Knight and honestly um this uh this penalty kill unit really uh saved the game for the Panthers they were aggressive and uh they they did what they had to do they got into the passing zones and they got into the sh- uh you know shooting lanes as well so um definitely a good way or good technique as far as like being able to defend but the the big thing about the penalty kills that your goaltender's got to be your best penalty killer and Spencer Knight did do that and he stopped the play when he needed to when the guys needed a rest so um seems like all things came together uh and you know back to your point about Barkov and Giroux um you know playing together on the uh, top PK notice when they actually play at even strength when the puck is on which side of you know the faceoff circle you know if it's on the right or the left you notice that Giroux is going to take him on the right-handed side and Barkov is going to take him on the left-handed side I wouldn't be surprised if they start doing that more or they just let Giroux have defensive zone faceoffs because his percentage um I think that Frank said I think on Monday's podcast was at around like 55 or 56 percent which is amazing so anytime you can get a guy in your lineup that can do that and win defensive draws big draws like that especially tonight um in a close game that shouldn't have been close um is a huge win for the panthers mm. and uh career averages uh for uh uh drew is 55 but this season it's 61 so above his Ooh. career average and i'll tell i'll tell um a little bit of an explanation of possibly why andrew burnett's gonna go that way um it's because of the angle uh bouncing it off the boards and getting it to your defenseman in the on the point so if if it's on the left hand side and Barkov is gonna win it it's gonna bounce off the board and right on the um to the to the person whoever's on the blue line so it's gonna really help uh with uh possession uh numbers so i can understand the the logic um behind behind that so it, it kind of it makes a lot of sense um I'm, I'm glad i'm really glad um you brought that up so it, it makes it makes more sense um and uh the Montreal Canadiens, uh, they pulled the goalie with five minutes left. Um, Paul Byron all alone on Spencer Knight with the extra attacker uh, makes it 4-3. Four, four, uh, um, but uh, they had a six-on-four with less than two minutes left. Uh, kill, six-on-five with 52. And then Montreal, too many times they shot themselves in the foot. We talked about the misses. Mm-hmm. We talked about Nick Suzuki not handling the puck in front of the net. And of course, uh, at the end, just with eight seconds left, too many men on the ice. And that's just a young <laughs> team going through their uh, lumps. And I, I, I mean, they, they are relatively young, but they still have some of the players that led them to the Stanley Cup final, but still uh, a lot of turnover as well. So this, this is still not uh, 100% um, the same team. And again, the Florida Panthers couldn't have asked for a worse opponent uh, to go against. And they play the if they play the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Colorado Avalanche or Carolina on a night like this, chances are the Florida Panthers uh, don't come out with a win. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, not every night's going to be your night, but um, you know, maybe sometimes you play down to your competition. Not saying that Montreal played a bad game. I mean, I think both teams had different opportunities. It seems like the referees were a little. Uh, you know, free with their whistles tonight. Um, there was a couple soft calls made on both sides, but, you know, you play the game that, you know, you're in and not, not you know, something, you know, another team that you're not playing. So, um, you know, Panthers were just fortunate to get a couple of those bounces, a couple of those calls that went their way. Um, you know, I the big goal of the night to me was uh, Reinhardt's goal. Uh, the pass from Huberto, you know, backhand right to him, and uh, he went short side with it. So, um 
you know, you got to make your chances count. And, uh, you know, thankfully, um, Florida did. Yeah, and, and that was after uh, Josh Anderson had a offensive zone penalty for tripping uh, Robert Haig. And um, that was Josh Anderson's second um, offensive zone penalty of the game. So more mm-hmm. of the Montreal Canadiens shooting themselves in the foot um, for um, for this game. But we're going to transition over to the next segment where we're going to talk more about the last two games of the road trip and the uh, scores around the NHL on where and where the Florida Panthers stand on this Fairbanks Friday edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. But first, we're going to tell you all about Bet Online. It's that time of year as college basketball tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite biggest casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Continuing this conversation on the Friday, March 25th edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast, a Fairbanks Friday edition of the show. Um, so, Nick, uh, you know this already because uh, we've discussed this in the chat, but <laughs> Tampa Bay lost again. Uh, they lost to the Boston Aww. Bruins in regulation. Um, Boston. Did they drop um, in the standings again? Yes, they dropped in the standings again. Uh, Toronto Aww. is just. A point ahead of them, while the Tampa Bay Lightning have a game in hand. I'm just looking uh, at the Tampa Bay Lightning's recent schedule, pull, pulling it up uh, right now. I think they're on a two-game losing streak, three-game losing streak right now. Uh, losing to New York Rangers, Rangers. at home, uh, mm-hmm. Carolina, and now uh, Boston. So the Florida Panthers, the most, um, if my math is correct, the most uh, points the Tampa Bay Lightning can right now have um is 124 right now the florida panthers have 92 um and their magic number to clinch a playoff spot uh due to columbus's record is right at 12 we knew that we knew that they were going to be a playoff team uh going 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 in but the magic number is 12 the division is right there um so the magic number for the division increases by four with panthers getting two Mm -hmm. points um Tampa Bay Lightning uh getting two two points so the division is once again there for the taking for the Panthers and um Tampa Bay Lightning they might not even have home ice advantage in the first round but again I don't trust the Maple Leafs even um even if uh they have home ice advantage against the Tampa Bay Lightning definitely not um history dictates what that team is and what they're going to be um you know I like their addition of uh Giordano and um you know, they got him for a good price, but let, let's see how he performs in playoff time. Um, you know, I, I'm still waiting to see, uh, you know, how that turns out. Plus, they have yet to see the Florida Panthers this season, so um, I cannot wait for those games. And I I think if, if we check the schedule, don't they play next week at some point? Sunday night. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So, so that will be a good uh, measuring stick, and on top of that, I don't know, maybe maybe a preview for either the first or possibly, and I say highly unlikely, second round matchup. Yeah, I'm still not counting um, on Toronto to uh, beat Tampa Bay in a playoff series. 
especially with the goaltending that the Toronto Maple Leafs have. Um, but more more scores around uh, the league. Um, the Dallas Stars defeat the Carolina Hurricanes in a shootout. So actually, where does that leave the Florida Panthers as far as the – they're tied in points with a game in hand. Um, as, um, that was an, actually a nationally televised game on ESPN, um, Dallas-Carolina. Uh, um, but I don't know if this is an updated version, but this uh, this standing says that they both have 90, 90 points. Um, and – the Panthers have uh, a game in hand, so I, I so more scores around the league. New York defeats the Detroit Red Wings five to two. Uh, Ottawa defeats the Winnipeg Jets, the Florida Panthers' next opponent. Um, Flyers defeat the Blues. Uh, Wild beat the Canucks. Um, right now, as of this recording, Edmonton is defeating the San Jose Sharks two to one, and Vegas. They're right now defeating the Nashville Predators, uh, just with thirty nine seconds left in the first period. Two to nothing against the Nashville Predators. So, um, I've been wanting to talk about this all week uh, based on the updates of the situation, um, the situation with Evgeny Dodonov. Um, so, an update on the situation: the trade has officially been voided by the NHL, and um, the the Vegas Golden Knights are in trouble. Um, and the the fact that um even even though even if they win tonight and they uh come up with a win uh their chances of making the playoffs are very unlikely dallas has four games in hand uh coming into tonight on the on the vegas golden knights and they have a they're ahead by a point because they beat uh carolina but it this team is in trouble um and they even if they are to trade of getting to donoff he he's not going to play the rest of the season. He did nothing wrong, neither in all of this. And I feel bad that he might not be able to, uh, to play if he gets traded. And more importantly for the Vegas side of things, if they trade him, they're going to have to probably pay more in order to get him off the books. So this is a tale that needs to be taught uh, across the whole NHL. So it's all about the LTIR, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously it's helped out Tampa Bay. It's now helping out the Florida Panthers, but it seems like it was too easy for Vegas just to go ahead and go through with spending to the cap and then, you know, long-term, you know, injured reserve somebody. So now they have stone on there in order to bring him back. I think I read somewhere they had to clear $9 million off the books. How are they going to do that with the uh, Donoff? you know, still on the roster and he's only making four or five mil and then they have to get rid of somebody else. I mean, talk about a nightmare scenario. Um, but that's what happens when you put all your chips in and you don't really calculate, you know, what could happen. Um, they should have made this trade earlier, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but due to the trade being voided, shame on both of those organizations. Number one, Ottawa for not sharing that information. And number two for Vegas, not asking or not getting asking for that type of information and also basically just trying to, you know, rig the system, mm-hmm. you know, to, to me, it, they, they're kind of getting what they deserve right now. And I, I really don't feel bad for them. Um, I happen to be one of those fans that, you know, I was happy for them when they went to the Stanley cup their first year, I thought it was an awesome experience. It really energized the league. But after that, I don't know. It just, it seemed like that, you know, they were just going to find any way possible to stay where they were at and get back to the cup final. And 
it just it finally caught up to them and they weren't doing things the right way. So this is what happens. And uh, unfortunately, a good player like uh, Dodonov is going to be the scapegoat for it. And, um, you know, I I really hope the best for him, you know, going in the future. He actually goes to place for somebody that actually wants him and where he would like to play. Mm. And right now the NHL um, is doing their uh, GM meetings in um, Manalpalan. Manal uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce the city, um, but it's just north of Boynton Beach. Um, they're meeting right now this weekend. And one of the topics brought up from reports is using LTIR space. And uh, so that's going to be a conversation. One GM uh, brought that up. So could we see mm. changes in the future based on that? I, I don't know. Um, so um, – Mark Stone's not only the, the only one on LTIR. The other one is Alec Martinez. I think he had 30 stitches on his face for taking a skate. Ouch. <laughs> that, yeah. Like, I would never want to take take a skate to the face. I, I, I wouldn't even want to uh, wish. You don't want to meet that guy in a bar, that's for sure. No, definitely not. Um, <laughs> um, and One other thing that I wanted mm -hmm. to bring up uh, as well is if the NHL wants to get around this LTIR issue is that they need to start raising the cap. You know, mm -hmm. the fact that – and I understand that, you know, the past couple of years have been tough for business and everything like that, but only raising the cap an extra million that they're rumored to do for the next year is going to force teams to keep doing this. You know, they need to raise the cap. They need to pay their players. And from there, they can actually squash out the actually long-term um, injured reserve then. Mm. And this is a issue with sports, not just the NHL. The salary cap has frozen in the NHL. It's gone down in other leagues, um, like the like the NFL uh, this coming off season. Mm -hmm. But franchise values are going up. So yep, that that is that really doesn't sit well with me. When the value, I, of course, the their owners aren't seeing this money physically um, in in their pockets when because they haven't sold the teams yet. But seeing, knowing that it's worth, and you have that in your back pocket, mm -hmm. there with the franchises raising, so the the values raising, so it it leaves me a little bit of a bad taste that they can't accommodate uh, the players. I know inflation's a thing. I get I get it. Where um, in our economy right now, inflation's at the highest uh, it, it, it's ever been. But still, only one million next year. That it it just doesn't sit sit well with me. No, it's another squeeze on players. I mean, uh, unfortunately, you know, owners have to, you know, pony up money for, you know, like basically all operations of the team, right? Uh, and how do they get their revenue? How do they get their money? You know, what's put what puts fans in the seats? It's the players. It's the quality of the group on the ice and everything like that. I mean, hell, like you and I could see that for Florida. I mean, how many times do we get chirped at about not having, like having only seven fans on Twitter or even at the game? But now that fans are starting to come back, you're starting to see that there is value here and that it, there is a valuable product on the ice. So why aren't the players a part, more part of that conversation instead of, oh, well, guys, we can only afford to raise the cap another million dollars so that your salaries can fit in and so you guys can be a functional franchise. No, that's not, that's not the way it should be. Um, and I understand that there's other teams that are not making it right now. Um, you know, there's a team out West that's going to be moving into like a 5,000 to 7,000 person capacity, um, you know, stadium. Understand that I completely do. Maybe that's a topic for another conversation, but at the same time, is that the player's fault? 
no, it, it's up to the owners. It's up to Gary Bettman and the board of governors to understand the economics of the game and to really put, put the money where it should be. And that is for their main product, which is the players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is where, and, and you mentioned butts in the seats players. Um, we, we, we come to see them play. And of course, with the winning that's happened in our market, um, we're seeing, players marketed even though the player um the nhl can do a better job of marketing um more more people around uh, south florida definitely know who alexander barkoff is um he even said that when claude drew got traded he gained uh some followers on uh instagram um five thousand yeah so he he gained quite a <laughs> quite a little bit so um uh, all the all the players coming down to south florida um we thornton hornquist drew it's only um making this team more popular of course you got to win to create uh your popularity but um definitely it's definitely helping the florida panthers being uh more marketable and there's a actually um i actually saw a tweet today speaking of marketable i saw a tweet today of the updates of the war memorial coliseum in downtown Fort lauderdale it's looking great and i'm excited for them to definitely open it uh next next off season yeah, it really does. It looks uh, state of the art. Um, I would not have. I saw blueprints of it, you know, a couple of years ago when they first said that they were going to start, you know, breaking ground and everything. And now to see where it's at and everything, they built that really quickly. So, oh, yeah. you know, hats off to the organization and, you know, the teams that they have there, you know, building this place up. Um, I really hope it is like it's going to be one of the main attractions that maybe NHL players will be brought to. I mean, you can go to downtown Fort Lauderdale. Now you have all these rinks to take advantage of and, you know, really kind of like live your life and, you know, get into the flow of things down there. So um, who knows what's, you know, what will happen with the Florida Panthers now. So, um, you know, just glad to see that things are starting to really come together and it's starting to grow um, very well uh, in the market down here. Yeah, I'm excited and definitely, uh, definitely uh, for for the time being, they're they're here to stay. And then the winning helps, and building a new uh, practice facility uh, definitely helps. But Nick, I want to thank you for jumping on this episode of Locked On Florida Panthers podcast to discuss this four to three win over the Montreal Canadiens. The Florida Panthers do have a back to back against the Ottawa Senators and the Toronto Maple Leafs, big one especially on Sunday, and definitely uh, will will definitely uh, be. Uh, um get we'll be ready to get up and like I'm, I'm just feeling like super excited for that for that game on sunday because of course we talked about it uh no no matchups against the uh toronto maple leafs uh their first one coming this sunday but tell everybody uh where they can follow you on the internet well guys you guys can find me on twitter at prudentia zero and you can also follow my work on uh panther parkway dot com and always always on the lockdown podcast on fairbanks fridays with armando so thank you guys again and armando thank you again for having me on for another friday edition absolutely man and thank you once again for uh joining me on the show and and you're and can't wait for next friday so thank you so much thank you and if you like what you're hearing please subscribe to the podcast you'll be notified every single time the lockdown florida panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed don't forget to also subscribe to Lockdown NHL and the Crosscheck NHL show with Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. We'll be covering all the regular season activities around the National Hockey League. Thank you once again for making the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. And for your second listen of the day, make sure you listen to today's episode of Lockdown 
fantasy hockey. Host Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy team. Follow the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. So I'm Armando Velez with Nick Fairbanks. And you've been listening to Locked On Florida Panthers Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're your team every day.